the Ortho PAC hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Welcome back listeners. Today's episode is on a topic that I feel is one of the weakest areas of my clinical orthopedic knowledge and that is cancer. Sarcomas, carcinomas, metastatic disease, it all is very scary, not only for the patient, but for me, it all makes me very nervous. So to quell some of that anxiety and to learn more about orthopedic oncology, we're hosting Kate Sinkoski today. Kate works in orthopedic oncology and recently gave a talk at our Denver meeting on bone lesions, evaluation, and management. And I'm very excited to have her on with us today. So Kate, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to have you. You talked about metastatic disease to the pelvis and sacrum and percutaneous pelvis stabilization is better than ORIF. Why is that? Great question. So open surgical interventions to address pathologic fractures within the pelvis and large periostabular defects are often associated with significant morbidity and even prolonged coalescence. As you know, these patients oftentimes spend a significant time in the ICU because they had a large amount of blood loss, they have electrolyte imbalances from resuscitation, they're at exceedingly high risk for VTEs and infections, other complications associated with this surgery. So the potential benefits of a percutaneous pelvic stabilization is that it's minimally invasive. We're decreasing the size of our wound and also in the operating room, decreasing our time. Therefore decreasing our risk for infection. It minimizes their recovery because it is a minimally invasive procedure. They don't have to recover from this huge giant operation going into their pelvis. We can oftentimes optimize their function. It's a tiny incision, about a one to two centimeter incision versus a huge, you know, 15 or 30 centimeter incision to get into the pelvis. And then I think most importantly in this patient population is they can continue their adjuvants. You know, if they're on systemic therapy, like chemotherapy or immunotherapy for their primary cancer, then we're interrupting that at the shortest amount of time. We can get them back to their systemic therapy. We can get them back on chemotherapy. We can get them back on immunotherapy faster because they have less recovery in this minimally invasive approach. I think I misspoke earlier. I talked about an osteosarcoma. I meant to say osteochondroma. So sure. for those of you that, yeah, I think you caught that, but we didn't go down. I meant osteochondroma, by the way. And you'll see those a lot. In, Absolutely. In orthopedics, but yeah. You talked about a multidisciplinary team approach. And I, for anyone listening to this, it's obvious that you're going to need a wider care team. But could you talk a little bit to the point of what kind of specialties in addition to the orthopedic oncology, the medical oncology. I think you gave a, an example of a plastic surgeon doing coverage for some of the soft tissues. What are some other really important team members that you need to have available for these patients and their total care? These patients are very complex, as you know. So for example, in a relatively healthy patient who comes to our office with a mass, say this is an enhancing soft tissue mass, we're involving interventional radiology to biopsy this lesion. If this is a cancerous process, then we will involve our medical oncologist and our radiation oncologist. Depending on where that mass is, as you mentioned, we can get our reconstructive plastic surgeon on board to ensure that we have adequate soft tissue coverage. 
Then after that, we may need wound care to be involved. Physical therapy is, in, is a very important part of our practice. And interventional radiology can even help ablate some tumors like an avascular malformation. They can help us in a minimally invasive treatment process that isn't a big surgery for these patients. So these patients are very complex and we actually have a dedicated nurse navigator who's an incredible asset to our team and helps guide our patients through their journey. It's not easy, but she certainly makes it look like it is easy. And then on top of all of that, these patients are dealing with a diagnosis of cancer oftentimes, and it threatens their life. And in addition to their sense of self, you know, and a relatively young, healthy patient comes to our office and we diagnose them with cancer and they've been an athlete for the past 38 years, then they are having this sense of self, this identity crisis. So behavioral therapy and support groups are critical for these patients. And in complete honesty, I think this is where we have a little bit of a gap in our medical system in general and a real passion of mine. We assume, you know, once the physical body is healed, so is everything else. But this process and this journey of having surgery, getting diagnosed with cancer is a lot and unpacking all of the associated trauma takes time and work that's totally and completely worth it. So having this multidisciplinary approach and team for these patients is a necessity. And I have all of our team on speed dial essentially and access and, and can call them when I need them. So it's very important because these patients are, are very complex. Oh yeah. Not, not just from the uh, physical standpoint, but the psychological standpoint. I mean, one having cancer two having major surgery. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine. One other item, you are part of something called the Limb Preservation Foundation. Can you please tell us what that is and how it works? The mission of the Limb Preservation Foundation is to support the prevention and treatment of limb-threatening conditions. This can be trauma, this can be cancer, or this can be an infection. So this Limb Preservation Foundation was started in 1986 by Dr. Ross Wilkins, who's kind of the father of orthopedic oncology in the Denver area. And the goal of the foundation is to enhance the quality of life for those individuals facing limb-threatening conditions. And that's through research, patient assistance, and educational programs. So there's uh, several different arms of this foundation. As I mentioned above, there's the research arm of it. We work a lot with the Flint Cancer Animal Research Institute in Fort Collins, Colorado. We oftentimes offer patient assistance, and that can look like a scholarship. We offer scholarships for patients who are have gone through this limb-threatening process and ultimately are going to college. And, you know, at the end of the day, we can oftentimes assist patients from a monetary standpoint if they can't afford their rent because they are going through chemotherapy or they can't afford their gas to get to the appointments because of the cost of antibiotics. So this is a great resource for patients in order to be able to afford their treatments in addition to just kind of living their life and existing in their current life. Great. It sounds like a very worthwhile thing. And I hope those that are listening that have an interest in this, uh, please check it out. Is there a contact information or a way that if somebody's interested in donating that they can uh, reach out for this? Absolutely. So you can go to limbpreservation.org to donate, or you can give them a call. Their number is 
429-0688 if they're if you're interested in donating or even just getting involved we have a a lot of fundraisers throughout the year we do a golf tournament that just happened last week or the week before which is really fun and it's a way to kind of get out and get involved and have some fun so there's a lot of different things that you can do that you can donate your time you can donate money it's not necessarily kind of a monetary donation if you want to donate your time then you can certainly do that too awesome hey there was one question that i forgot to ask What's the longest case that you've been in on? I mean, I, I looked at some of these surgeries. It's like, holy moly, man, these things have got to take hours. So what's the longest case you've been in on? Yeah, absolutely. I would say the longest case so that comes to mind very easily and accessibly is an, an eight-hour surgery. And there are multiple people that are multiple other specialties that are involved in that operation you know where we have our general oncologist who's coming in because it is most certainly involving the pelvis we have our vascular surgeon there to assist we have our plastic surgeon there to help us with soft tissue coverage and then obviously my attending dr daniel lerman the orthopedic oncologist who is there to do the tumor resection and the reconstruction so it, it takes a long time and these surgeries can be very long. So we're obviously optimizing them from a resuscitation standpoint and making sure that they're safe from an anesthesia standpoint to maintain these long surgeries. So it's, it's a lot. And sometimes in the, in the middle around five or six hours, scrub out, have a quick sip of water, go to the bathroom, that sort of thing, and then come back in. But it's, it's long and it's, you know, it's absolutely worth it. It's very, it's very fun and rewarding. Kate. Thank you for being on today. And I just wanted to ask, is there anything that we missed or do you have any other comments for our listeners? I would say the biggest thing is don't be afraid to refer to orthopedic oncology. We are happy to help and assist. And I think getting the local orthopedist, orthopedic oncologist number or their PA's number is exceedingly important. You know, have them as a contact so you can give them a call or send them a message, even just a quick photo of an x-ray to say, hey, I'm referring this patient to you. Is there anything else I need to do is a great way to make sure that these patients get in. We tend to, we will prioritize patients who have a tumor. You know, we like to make sure that they're in within the week, because as you can imagine, a really uncomfortable space for patients to be is knowing that something is there, but not knowing what we do about it. And so we like to make sure that these patients have the least amount of time worrying about what this might be, meaning they come to see us in the office and we're always happy to help. So in addition to that, I'm always happy to talk about this and to lecture. So if anyone's listening and they're interested in, in having me talk to their group specifically about orthopedic oncology, I'm happy to coordinate with you. So I can certainly coordinate and happy to chat about it. It's something that I, I very much enjoy doing and, and, it's, it's rewarding. Awesome. Kate, thank you so much for being on today. Really appreciate you coming on our podcast. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining the Ortho PAC podcast. We also welcome you to visit our website, paos.org, where members can download virtual conference content and get category one CME. For non-members, please visit the aapa.org learning central for the PAOS virtual content.